Financial technology is exploding. And at the heart of it is data, both quantitative and qualitative, right? Quantitative data is going to drive everything we do in the future. And qualitative data that we get from interviews adds just a whole new dimension to that data. As a revenue leader, is flying blind or leveraging inaccurate data keeping you up at night? We hear you. Anecdotal data can lead to poor decision-making and not being able to prove business impact. If you've lost sleep over inaccurate data, you're going to love today's guest for the last episode of the season. Sherry Chin is the Chief Marketing Officer and Sarah Spagnola is the Growth Marketing Leader at Galileo Financial Technologies, a leading financial technology platform. As they embarked on their mission to build the marketing engine at Galileo, Sherry and Sarah quickly realized the importance of launching and executing a strong win-loss program to truly understand their brand and sales process and to inform their marketing strategies, driving value for their organization. Listen as Sherry and Sarah cover how win-loss analysis has become a game-changer for Galileo. Well, hello, everybody. Uh, my name is Jeffrey, as you know, and welcome to Blind Spots. Sherry, Sarah, uh, great to have you here as guests today. Thank you for having us. We're very excited to be here, Jeffrey. This is Sherry. Thanks, Jeffrey. Nice to be here. I think maybe a great place to get started just to sort of set the scene a little bit for our listeners so that they know who we're talking to today. If you could share with me just a little bit about where you consider to be your core responsibilities in your role and how that sort of affects the organization. I head up marketing for Galileo Financial Technologies, and I lead all of the marketing efforts to increase awareness of the company and grow our brand and our business. Perfect. And Sarah, do you mind sharing with me a little bit about how you understand the core areas of your role? Hi, Jeffrey. I look after demand generation at Galileo. And so I'm responsible for growth marketing events, marketing operations, and all the things related to you know keeping our demand gen engine running smoothly. And Sherry, let me ask this question to you. How does the rest of the organization experience the value of your role? When companies think about how do I know if I have a great CMO? They are thinking about the success of the company. So a chief marketing officer's role is really to help drive the overall success of the company and meet the business objectives. Marketing is not a goal in itself, but really as a lever for achieving the business objective. I like that as a lever. It's sort of part of a, a machine, but an important part. Like, you know, you've got you to get the crank first before the rest of the thing is humming. And Sarah, how does the wider organization sort of understand the, the value that you're adding to the organization? I think, you know, sitting in the demand gen seat, I'm in a unique opportunity or in a position to be able to work with multiple departments, not only within marketing, but across the organization. So not only do I work with my counterparts in digital marketing, uh, brand, PR and communications, we also collaborate heavily with our product team, our operations team, as well as business development, which is our, our field sales organization. And so just really understanding their needs and pain points and figuring out, okay, what is the strategy and plan to address those needs and pain points so that we can all be better sellers, right? More effective sellers and better relationship managers. That's where I see my role coming into sort of 
be a little bit of the glue, right? That sort of holds all of the content, the brand awareness, as well as tactical sales execution strategies, you know, in place. Beautiful. Very interesting. Tell me a little bit about when Galileo started to work on win-loss. Is this sort of an, an old program for you? Is it something you've done since the beginning or have you come to it more recently? So our win-loss program here at Galileo is new. However, I have experience with win-loss programs, specifically with DoubleCheck at a former employer and decided to bring that capability and function to the company. When I first started at Galileo about a year and a half ago, our marketing team was pretty small. And Sherry was in the process of building the team out. And so we quickly realized that we needed to have a broader approach to the competitive landscape and the intelligence that we could be gathering for deals that were just closing, right? Or deals that had just recently closed so that we could really just put our arms around that information. And so while it's it's relatively new here at Galileo, we're now on our second cohort and we're well on our way to our third. So, you know, we're, we're getting pretty deep into it. Very cool. And you mentioned that you had a relatively small team when you started, and but it's growing. T- tell me about where you were a year and a half ago and, and what's changed since then. So a year and a half ago, when I first started, there was really virtually no marketing team. There were two marketers primarily focused on public relations and content. And I was really hired to spin up a marketing center of excellence and to really build a best practices marketing engine for the company. And one of my first hires was Sarah Spagnola, which was wonderful. And one of the things both Sarah and I realized very quickly is that there was a lot of anecdotal knowledge, but not a lot of codified institutional knowledge that we could draw on. And we immediately knew that we needed to put research and tracking in place so that we could really understand our brand and our sales process. And so that that could inform our marketing strategies and programs. And so Sarah kicked off double check and it was really fantastic. When we started, we had two people. We have 17 people now, but we really rely on external experts like double check to dive into specific areas like competitive tracking, competitive intelligence, because you just can't do it all. You can't do it all internally. Interesting. And and when we think about win-loss, a lot of people might think of win-loss as being a, a sales function, right? So that, you know, we have a sales funnel, we lost the deal, we want a deal, we want to know why that was. But of course, in your seat, you're part of the sales funnel in a sense, right? Marketing is feeding into the sales funnel or depending on how you think of your funnel, it's a part of the same funnel. But how do you sort of think about uh, how a win-loss program gives you something different that it doesn't necessarily give sales or or that sales isn't as interested in? The win-loss program is incredibly important for understanding our positioning in the marketplace, not just the sales process, but our brand positioning in the marketplace. How are we perceived? What are our competitive differentiators in the marketplace? So when I read through the win-loss interviews, I'm thinking about two things. What's the overall perception of my company brand? And then how is that embodied in the sales process? Are the brand pillars, are our key differentiators coming out in the sales process? Why are we winning? Why are we losing? 
is that are those the messages that I'm putting out there in the marketplace? And if they are, like when we win, that's a home run. Like that's reinforcement. We're getting the message across. If we have gaps where we have perceived gaps and we know that we have that capability, that's an opportunity for us to strengthen our brand messaging. So does that make sense? There's multiple ways we use the win-loss interviews, everything from higher level messaging to very tactical sales process steps that we can take. Sure. You mentioned sort of pillars, uh, which I know is a sort of a concept. Have you found in the win-loss reporting, do they always conform to those pillars? So ironically, because we started double check when we first began developing our brand positioning, the double check win-loss interviews helped us shape our brand pillars and positioning because we saw consistent themes within the interviews. So the brand pillars for Galileo really center around our technology platform, our solutions, products, and services, and our people. And those resonate in the interviews and in our messaging. And which came first, the chicken or the, you know, (laughs) the double check interview or our positioning? I'd like to think they sort of came together in a really nice, holistic way. But the double check interviews really helped us refine our brand pillar messaging. And when we see that come up over and over again in the interviews, it's really gratifying. I like the way you talked about that sort of off everybody's familiar with the chicken and the egg. And I imagine it's, it is very much like that for, for other companies too. You know, you have an idea of what those differentiators are, what those pillars are. And then you can go to the market and get confirmation of that. And what those people care about, that can help you refine the pillars. Then you go back and take bring the pillars back to the market. And you sort of go back and forth between pushing things out there and then listening to what people will say to them and then, you know, continuing to sort of refine that. When you sort of think about some of the things that you, that you learned from some of the win-loss interviews, were the things that were surprising to you that perhaps counterintuitive or was it all sort of just, Hey, this is, we, we sort of knew, but we're really happy to have it confirmed. You know, as I was reading through our win-loss interviews, one of the things that really struck me as interesting is that our buying groups, you know, as we know in B2B, it's very large these days, right? And it creates, it requires multiple dozens of touches, right? To actually get someone engaged. But the influencers, right? Within our, let's call it financial technology community, it's very broad. And so through the interviews and reading some of the details, I learned about new consulting groups, right? And new firms that actually our prospects hire to investigate and help them put their arms around. What is the landscape? Who should I be talking to? Who are the top three? Who are the ones that, you know, I should be watching out for? What do you know about these companies, right? And so there were a few new organizations that were cited um, throughout the reports that, you know, struck me as very interesting. And when we have resources and, and time to really dive into that group as, you know, an important community and constituent that we ought to be nurturing along the way. That's really interesting. And Sherry, have you, have you experienced that? I think a lot of the, you know, a lot of this comes down again to there's the strategic positioning and messaging that you learning that you get from the double check interviews. And then there's really like the tactical action 
that you can take that can really help spin up your marketing programs and make your marketing programs more effective. And that, I think, is really a little bit of a magic in these interviews. Also, when you're interviewing somebody, you get so much more from a conversation than you do from a quantitative survey that says, on a score of one to five, what is this? You're getting a lot more insight. And again, thanks to the team at DoubleCheck, drawing conclusions from that information. Because the conclusions are critical to really understanding how to interpret this information because we don't want to over-index on one interview comment. That's really interesting. And I think I'm going to ask you a, a difficult question in a minute here. When you think about the sort of building trust, right? And of course, I know, like many companies, I'm sure you provide references for folks who are in the sales cycle. But of course, we're talking about word of mouth. So we're also talking about backdoor references or people looking for online sources like G2 Crowd or Trust Radius or, mm -hmm. or forums or even just going to their consulting partners. So my question for you then as a head of a marketing organization, how do you go and make sure that you are in those spaces in the right way? How do we ensure that we are increasing awareness of our company and all that we have to offer to help our clients in positive ways? Our job as marketers is to make sure that we surround our prospects and clients with the information that they need when they need it. The best way to build trust and to build positive rapport is to be helpful and to provide information and services and capabilities that help people when they need it. And when we think about the proliferation of digital channels and everything out there, it's a prioritization game. You can't be everywhere all the time. You can't afford it. You don't have the resources. And so really prioritizing where you share your message and how you share your message is really critical. That marketing mix, that multi-channel, omni-channel marketing mix is really important. And that comes down to understanding who your buyer is. How do they search for information? What are they looking for? What do they need to accelerate them through the pipeline? And the double check interviews really help add insight to that. They help us understand our buyers so that we can be there when they are looking for their information. And if you provide that relevant, valuable information, that builds trust. That gives you a positive rapport without even having to rely on third parties. Of course, we want to be at all the right events and we want to be in all the right media publications and all the right interviews and PR, et cetera. But if somebody is finding your information helpful all the time and really beginning to rely on your company as a resource, for making decisions or for accelerating their thinking, they're going to trust you. And 
that's building your reputation. That's building your rapport. I, I really love that answer. But I'm curious, and I'm sure our, re- our listeners would love to, to hear about this too. How do you go about marketing people in a sense? It's, it's easy to go through, here is our product, here is our features and our functions, here's the benefits of our, of our product, here's the differentiator of our product. It, my gut says that the people is different. You can't just say our people, you know, the, so, so how do you in this sort of a CMOC, how do you go about marketing, promoting that you have exceptional services, that you have exceptional people? Yeah, the way that we market our culture and our people is not actively. Galileo Financial Technologies has a proven track record of helping the largest, most successful fintechs launch, scale, and grow their businesses. And that proven track record speaks for itself. And as a company, we have become known for helping entrepreneurs, innovators, large businesses bring their vision to life, accelerate their time to market, and most importantly, once they're live, helping them continue to scale and grow. And that's really how we have differentiated ourselves. And at the core of that is the deep expertise of our people to help our prospective clients figure out what they want to do. Because a lot of, if you think about fintech and what's going on in financial services today, it is a dynamic, evolving, frenetic environment. Financial services solutions products are being invented like every day. And it's so fun and exciting, but our people are almost like trusted guides on this journey of bringing your financial vision to life. Yeah, very interesting. You know, that, that reminds me of something that you said earlier about understanding the buyer. So I imagine that must be something that, that you and, and the organization think about all the time because the market is changing because people are sort of spinning up these financial products and have these ideas for how to do things differently all the time with that, that change that's happening in your space. So consistently, it must make it a little bit harder then to understand your buyer because there, there isn't necessarily something that you can model that newness. How do you sort of go about pairing understanding, you know, your experience and your expertise having done it before, but also recognizing the fact that they're new and they're different? I think your question is, is how do we drive future success based on past success, right? In a true dynamic environment. Is that That's why you are the marketers, because you said it in about 10 words and it took me about a hundred to get there. But yes, (laughs) that's my question. I think that the way to drive future success is by leveraging your expertise and the lessons of the past, but also being very forward focused looking. And one of the exciting things about Galileo is we are an incredibly forward looking company. Our roots are in creating the fintech category in many ways. And you have to have the expertise, but you also have to have the vision and you have to always be forward looking. And the way that you can have a vision to the future is by partnering with great companies like DoubleCheck to get insights and to always be thinking about 
the world outside and beyond. Financial technology is exploding. And at the heart of it is data, both quantitative and qualitative. Quantitative data is going to drive everything we do in the future. And qualitative data that we get from interviews adds just a whole new dimension to that data. I'd love to jump back to something that you said earlier. How does bringing in a a sort of another voice, a third-party voice, affect those internal discussions? Is it just that you have you have a lot of senior leaders and other practitioners who have their own opinion. The third party comes in. Is it is it not just another voice that's sort of in the room, or, or or how does it sort of address that variety of opinions and the bias that you might have? A third party voice helps avoid bias by being the objective observer in the room. When you think about a cross functional meeting. Everybody is focused on their priorities and objectives to achieve the collective goal. But having a third party agency come in as an objective, unbiased observer, that third party, a company like DoubleCheck can look across the different disciplines and bring to bear, you know, conclusions that we probably can't see ourselves. And quite frankly, also, By working with external agencies and partners, they bring their breadth of experience and their breadth of knowledge as context for the conclusions that they're sharing, which we we can't have. Like We're not working with 50 other companies, whereas when you work with external partners and consultants, they are. And so they can bring their best practices and share those with us. Have you sort of found that having a third party allows those meetings to go differently where we can say, well, here's the research. We don't really need to spend a lot of time talking about our own perspective because this is sort of our, what we're going to use. Or, or do you still end up with people being like, oh no, the research must be wrong or I don't believe this could really be true. Do you get a lot of that? If someone thinks the research is wrong, they certainly have not shared their opinion with me because I, I've not heard that. And I think, you know, at Galileo, we're in a pretty unique situation whereby we have extreme collaboration, I would put it. We know our awards, we know our gaps, we know where we have work to do, we know where we excel. And, you know, this information that we get from Double Check really helps reinforce all of those points, right? And, and spaces and time where we need to do work. And so we finished our first cohort late last year. We're just wrapping up our second one. And I think when we put those two halves together, we'll have much more detailed information, more trends and, and conclusions to draw from that are stronger right now that we have two cohorts. And I think the sky's the limit, really. I mean, we it's up to us and what we do with the information and how we share it. That's really interesting. I'm I'm curious, you know, obviously you have a great culture there that's obviously part of your growth, it's part of your strategy, and of course it's why why your customers love you. But do you find that that sales is are they sort of craving these things? Or do they feel like, oh, this is just another person asking me to do another thing that's there's not somebody just checking up on me? Are they sort of receptive? Are they engaged or or is this something that they sort of feel is pushed on them? I think they're highly engaged. When we share the results and the information, a lot of it is validation of what, as Sherry said, what we already know. There's definitely new information that comes about. But I'd say it's very useful in very specific tactical situations. So, for example, we had a bank partner 
who was going into a bid situation, you know, with, with us together, but they were primary. And they had asked us, hey, what intel do you have about XYZ competitors so that we can start to answer the objections that may come our way, as well as put forth how we would not be doing those kinds of things, right? And so we basically fed over to them, you know, the results or qualitative information that we received from the, the interviews to help them with their objection setting and, you know, answering those types of questions. So, you know, in very tactical specific situations, the research is extremely helpful. And I have dozens of examples just like that. That's really cool. So it's both sort of on that tactical everyday level that that, that information gets used on. It's used at sort of the strategic level that we talked about, um, positioning and messaging sort of at the at the broader level as well. So it sounds like it sort of filters through the organization in, in lots of different ways. Is there a particular area where you feel that you wouldn't be able to be as effective in a marketing role if you didn't have sort of win-loss research to have at your fingertips? You know, probably when we onboard new people, whether they're marketing, their sales, their product, their operations, it doesn't matter, right? When you are new to an organization and particularly new to an industry, like you need to know everything you can get your hands on, right? And so our competitive intelligence really helps to create that rising tide for everyone and bring everyone sort of to the same level. And then, you know, if you're a product person, you're looking at specific things. If you're a salesperson, you're looking into other things, right? But at least it creates that sort of rising tide for all, just in terms of having that broad coverage of, you know, awareness and who we compete with and why we win and why we lose. I like that. I like that that brings us back to where we sort of started our conversation, which is when we were talking about growth and, and how Gallo has experienced this growth. I imagine as you're growing, that means you need to do a lot of work onboarding new people. You need to get them up to speed quickly because they're going to have to take on a lot of responsibilities as you continue to grow. Um, so it's great to hear that the win-loss programs can help from that sort of human capital perspective as well, getting people up to speed and up and going. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. We're just sort of about out of time here. Before I go, is there anything else either of you would like to share when it comes to win-loss that you think is sort of critically important that our, our listeners would want to hear about? The last thing I would love to say is we have a new chief product officer joining and he is so excited to read the win-loss reports and really get insights into the products and services and solutions we offer. So that's going to be a really exciting share within the company. And I, I just think the double check interviews really help us in three specific areas. One, of course, is competitive intel and really understanding our strengths and our opportunities and gaps. The second is our positioning, our brand positioning and how we sell. The information is unmeetable from a messaging perspective, as well as from tactical actions we can take to improve our process. And then finally, it's really the future trends like getting insight into what our customers are thinking about the future. That's really helpful because we are a forward-looking company. We want to be a little bit ahead of our prospects so that we can serve them well and be prepared for what they want. So we really, really value the partnership that we have with Double Tech and really appreciate the opportunity to share our thoughts. So thank you, Jeffrey. This has really been fun. You make it so easy for us. <laughs> You guys are naturals. It's great. Well, b before I let you go, um, I have one last question we're asking. This isn't specific to win-loss at all. I'd love to hear 
an example of something that you did in your career that you would recommend everybody do if they want to end up in a, in a position like yours? So as people think through their opportunities in career, I would encourage everybody to throw their hat over the wall and take a chance because there's surprises on the other side. And you don't know how big the opportunities can be unless you take a chance. And in every opportunity and every move, you always learn something. And just learning is growth. And that you can't go wrong. Like you can't, you just can't go wrong with growing and new opportunities. Personally, you should, you need to find what that thing is that motivates you, what that thing is that gives you energy, whether it's taking a walk outside, meditating, eating that, you know, drinking that smoothie at two o'clock in the afternoon, whatever that ritual is, that personal ritual that you have that energizes you and keeps you going, like find out what that is and practice it. And that was Sherry Chin, Chief Marketing Officer and Sarah Spagnola, Growth Marketing Leader at Galileo. If you want to learn how to level up your game with win-loss and churn analysis, please check out our recently redesigned blog page at blog.doublecheckresearch.com. Follow Blind Spots by Double Check in your preferred podcast platform. And don't forget to leave a review. We want to learn how lessons from these win-loss warriors are helping you drive change in your organization. Thanks for listening.